now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. Welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I am your host, Michael Bauer. Joining me tonight from Canton, Ohio, we have America's Sweetheart, Garrett Price. How's it going, Garrett? Good. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. I miss calling you America's Sweetheart. That's fun. It's fun for me. <laughs> uh, Ray, Ray did it for you the other day, so I, I know. I I told him to. <laughs> yeah, I figured you were. I figured you were thrilled when you heard that. Question for you. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I was the one that came up with that. Uh huh. But Troy. You're, you know, Troy used to, uh, he has the uh, Capology 101 yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said he came up with that. So we got to figure this out. I mean. Yeah. I honestly don't remember because there was a part of me that thought about, uh, that thought my boy uh, Dynasty Dad Mike uh, might have come up with it. Hmm. So I'm not sure who the originator was of America's Sweetheart. So we might, we might have to figure this out. Or we could just do a three-way tie. We could, but that's not competitive enough. Well, we're all in this together, Garrett, and I'm the host of this podcast. <laughs> so for right now, we're going to say it was me. But, there we go. I like it. You know, so normally we do Debbie talk first, but before we do that, I just want to ask you one quick question. All right. Lay it on me. Garrett, who is the number one tight end on the season? Ooh, let me think. I feel like it's a guy we we were fans of. Okay. Um shoot ah it's like it's like uh hoops or uh uh man hopper hooper austin hooper that's who it is can you do me a favor can you say that a little louder for the guys in the back row so they can hear you (laughs) (laughs) that would be austin hooper Love it. Love it. I know Aaron Arms is now turning off this podcast (laughs) and possibly smashing his phone after that. But before we get to news, Garrett, why don't you fill us with some Debbie goodness for everybody? All right. So there is uh, a guy that was a sleeper in Debbie, but all of a sudden I think people are starting to take notice of this small school prospect that is absolutely dynamite. And that's Antonio Gandy Golden. He is a wide receiver for Liberty University, which is a school that I have a lot of friends that went to. Uh, I almost even ended up going to Liberty, but they told me I'd have, I would have to walk on because I wasn't talented enough. So, you know, they hurt my feelings, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, he is an extremely, extremely talented wide receiver. Uh, big physical got he has good speed I'm excited to see what his exact measurables end up being at the combine but he's lighting up defenses granted he's playing smaller schools Liberty doesn't play the greatest schedule ever they're actually an independent so they're not in an exact conference but they've played some schools you've at least heard of they've played Syracuse they've played New Mexico they've played you know Buffalo so it's not like man I didn't even know that there was like a central middle northern Tennessee <laughs> state tech like you know wow. like you know what's what's the abbreviation on that one Garrett <laughs> uh yeah I'm not even gonna try okay. um you know so he actually has played some decent schools that we've heard of before I'm really excited I think this kid will be a day two prospect uh, in the NFL draft. So I'm looking at the second and third round for Antonio Gandy Golden to go. So keep an eye on him. Could end up being a name that maybe not a lot of people will know because he didn't play at a big school. You know, it's not like we're seeing him every week like we are, you know, Jerry Judy and Najee Harris and, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence. And he's not one of those type of guys. Uh, he, he's playing at Liberty University. So you might be able to sneak one in there, get one up on your guys um, as, as we get closer to uh, next draft season. You know, speaking of the draft, do you miss when the draft was just one weekend instead of Thursday, Friday, Saturday? So you mean like when it was just all day Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a little weird that it starts on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, 
I hadn't really thought much about it, but I kind of do. Like I liked where it, it took up my like entire Saturday and mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, you know, the first round is such a tease because it's like, especially for, for fantasy football players in a good draft, you might have like, you know, three running backs and five wide receivers that are taken in the first round. So you still ha- don't even have the entire first round of your, your rookie draft set in the first round of the NFL draft. So it was more fun when you had, you know, first, second, third round on one day, and then you had fourth through seventh on the other day. I did enjoy that. Yeah, it's now it starts at 8 o'clock on a Thursday, and it's like if you're a fan of a team that's good, you're waiting till 25-plus, you might not see it, or you stay up and they take a freaking tackle, and you're like, well, that's no fun. Right. You know, so um, bring back the two-day draft. So I'm with you. So tonight on the Dynasty – Thank you, Garrett. Of course you're with me. I'm amazing. So tonight on the <laughs> Dynasty Rewind, we're going to be talking about something called the productive struggle. We don't like to tank. Um, we know you don't, too. You just might have bad luck. You might have a team that got bit by the injury bug. Who knows? People getting suspended. Or you might have tried, been trying to rely on Chris Herndon as a tight end. Um, but that being said, there is a correct way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it, and that's just straight-up tanking. But before we do that, let's talk about some news. Um, so one of the reasons I'm going into a tailspin is Carrion Johnson has been placed on IR with a knee injury. They hope to have him return the season, but I think he probably wouldn't be able to come back till about week 16. So right yeah, towards so it's the not going to help your fantasy team anyway. Yeah, and if you, if you make it to the championship and you have Carrion Johnson, you're probably not going to feel comfortable playing him anyway, I would imagine. Right. Um, so Carrion Johnson is out for the time being, and Ty Johnson – and um, Garrett, help me out here. Uh, who's the other guy in Detroit? Oh, J.D. Blanking. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. So who are you taking out of those two? I'm taking Ty Johnson. It's close. Okay. Um, both both are good uh, receivers. I do think his size lends a little bit more to Johnson being the between-the-tackles guy. Uh, so I, he would be the one that I would take. The funny thing is – I saw some people really blowing a bunch of fab to get those two guys. And let's be honest, Carrion Johnson wasn't doing that well. He had to share the load, which I think these two are going to share the load. And neither one are as talented as Carrion is. So I think best case scenario, you're hoping for long-term a running back three. So I don't, I don't, I just don't understand why people were were completely blowing their fab for this guy. I think it could be one of those things where maybe you're seeing it for both guys. You said right, right. So maybe you're gonna try. You have to make sure you get one of them. Is I think people's philosophy yeah, here. Unfortunately, you throw out too much, and now you have both of the guys. <laughs> it's what are you gonna get for them? So right. um, personally, I would try to steer in another direction. Just, um, I don't know. That's just me. See what else is out there, and if you have to come back to it, come back to it. Uh, before we get to the rest of the news, since I, I tend to be forgetful, our uh, good friend of the show, Tyler, not official fan Tyler, but Fantasy Squad's Tyler, he does have a question for us. Uh, he wants to know if any of these players are worth keeping on his team for next year. Uh, Preston Williams, Auden Tate, Devontae Parker, Corey Davis, Duke Johnson, Darwin Thompson, and Foster Moreau. Um, so I'm just going to go through it real quick here. Preston Williams, absolutely. Auden Tate, yes, especially if A.J. Green leaves. Devontae Parker, sure, he's been balling out. Corey Davis, they have a real quarterback now, yeah. Duke Johnson, I personally would probably try to sell him. I don't know where he's going to be next year. Darwin Thompson, breaking my heart. He was my second-round draft pick. I don't know what they're going to do with him. So I'd say if you could get anything for him, you should probably trade him. And Foster Moreau, um, see what you could get. Uh, they just – signed up Darren Waller so you know that's just that's me Garrett any thoughts on these guys no I'm pretty much in the same boat uh I'm wondering how many he had to get rid of because I would think on most dynasty teams all of those guys are still going to be rostered next season so yeah he's in pretty good shape if if those are the types of players that he's cutting because you know in a 25 man or a 30 man league a lot of guys are cutting guys that are no longer on their respective teams so He's he's looking pretty good if if that's the scenario for him. Yeah, and if that's the case, um, see what you could get for some of these guys. Obviously, max value is always the best. 
even if you don't need the picks, you could always move them to get something else later. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, your interest. So, uh, moving on. Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan has a high ankle sprain. It is a high ankle sprain. Is it a regular ankle sprain? Garrett, do you know? I honestly don't know. Um, yeah. I don't well, know. That's a good question. It's sprained, and he expects His to play versus Seattle. ankle doesn't feel good. It does not. But I believe both him and Dan Quinn, who somehow still has a job, expect him to play versus yeah, Seattle. Yeah, real quick. Let's hold up on that. Let's, <laughs> no, let's talk about that for a second. How does this dude still have a job? I don't know. You're a defensive-minded coach, and your defense is terrible. Terrible. Agreed. You're, you just lost to the freaking Cardinals. You put up three points this past week. You have so much talent on your football team, and you cannot put this together. I am sorry. I know he was in the Super Bowl three seasons ago or whatever it was, but I am shocked that he still has a job. I did not mean to just go off randomly on a rant, but what the heck? So I'm pretty sure the I was in a Super Bowl thing only counts if you win it. Yeah, not yeah. if you blow a 27-3 to lead. Exactly. But the funny thing is the guy that blew the league is now undefeated in San Francisco because he couldn't call running plays anymore. But that being said, Matt Ryan no longer has Mohamed Sanu to throw to. He is now a New England Patriot, and they paid up a second-round draft pick for him. Um, that just leads. I'm just going to lead right into my next piece of news here, and then we could kind of talk it all out. Josh Gordon is expected to be released after they put him on IR. For 2019, he has 20 catches for 287 yards and a touchdown. And Nikhil Harry is eligible to play versus the Ravens. So the Patriots wide receiving core is kind of an ever-evolving thing here. They had Antonio Brown. Nikhil Harry was drafted by them. Um, They have Jacoby Myers. Is it Jacoby Myers? Yep. And Jacoby spelled weird, and it really irritates me, but that's the whole thing. Um, They also have Philip Dorsett, who's kind of spotty a little bit, but... Yeah, he's actually been halfway decent. Yeah, but this this whole Patriots wide receiving core, now they have Mohamed Sanu, who I like Mohamed Sanu. Um, so stock up on Calvin Ridley, I hope. Um, but what do you think about just this whole New England wide receiver situation? Can you trust any of these guys, aside from Julian Edelman, on a week-to-week basis? That's the thing. At, at this point, he's, he's really the only one you can trust on a regular basis. And this really isn't that surprising. This has kind of been the... Patriots MO from from day one. Like, let's get in intelligent football players and we'll spread the ball around a decent amount. We'll have one featured target somewhere, and right now that's Julian Edelman. And the rest of the guys will just kind of do their thing. It, it It's not a surprise. It, this is just how Bill Belichick does it. Sucks for fantasy football, but it's very effective for real-life football. So that brings me to my next thing here. You know, their their tight end situation is confusing as well. Um, personally, I don't trust anybody. You know, the New England Patriots are hard to trust, period. With They, they spread the ball around so much. So O.J. Howard is out this week. Okay, Cameron Brait is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' number one tight end. Do you think there's a possibility? This is just kind of something I thought of while I was writing the news out. Could they trade O.J. Howard? To the New England Patriots, they could use some running back help, maybe for Damian Harris. I know they just drafted him. They have Rex Burkhead. They have Sonny Michelle. They have James White. Do you think that's a possibility? It would be very intriguing if you're the O.J. Howard owner. It's possible. I definitely think it would cost more than just Damian Harris. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see a scenario where where O.J. Howard ends up a New England Patriot. I... I would be surprised at this point if it happens because my guess is you're going to need some decent draft capital in order to do that along with a guy like Harris or, um, you know, it depends on, on who else they, they could potentially add into that, that grouping there. But they just got rid of their second-round pick. I doubt that they would want to use their first-round pick to get him. So uh, it, it's definitely in the realm of possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's definitely in the realm of possibility. It's one of those things, too, where they practically stole Josh Gordon. It's right. almost like when Belichick calls, you just go, uh, okay, you know, yeah. whatever you want. So interesting to see what, what shakes down there. Now, another thing, too, let's just uh, let's talk about the New England Patriots some more because they don't get talked about enough. 
So Adam Schefter put out a uh, article this week. I'm sure you saw it, Garrett. Could Tom Brady be done in New England? He's only signed till the end of the year. So I'm curious to see if they pull the trigger, if they decide to not go tight end, trade for anybody else. But what if they trade for a guy like Josh Rosen? Now, before the season, there was talks about them possibly picking him up. He ended up going to the Miami Dolphins, which, you know, I don't like the way they handled the Josh Rosen situation down there. He's going to be our starter. Oh, hey, guess what? Now he's not. So I think it's really important for dynasty values, especially to see what the New England Patriots do at the quarterback position at the trade deadline. We don't know if Jared Stidham's going to be the guy there. Garrett, what do you think about this? Do you think Rosen? Do you think there's somebody else they could try to get from somewhere? Or were they going to go in the draft? At this point, I would assume the draft. But the the whole Josh Rosen experiment has been fascinating. The the kid for a second was considered potentially the top quarterback in that class. Right. Kind of falls from grace a little bit, has some poor interviews. People don't don't really like his attitude, his leadership. Um, there were some questions on the field as well, and so his his stock kind of dropped. Ends up going to the Cardinals. That whole situation happens. They they cut bait, send him over to, to Miami. It doesn't look like he's Miami's quarterback of the future now at this point either. And so he's he's bounced from two different teams. Neither one were in a healthy spot while he played for them. Two different coordinators. Uh, he, he's gotten he's been dealt a really raw hand overall. Granted, you gotta it, it's the NFL. You you gotta make the best of your opportunities, and he hasn't necessarily done that so far. But he hasn't also looked like a colossal failure that just isn't able to do it. So, I mean, I, I think there's a chance that he could end up in New England. I don't know. I, I'm done trying to predict what I think the Patriots are going to do. Like, there, there's some obvious things like, you know, a really good player gets cut or a really good player gets on the trading block and they're going to give you, like, you know, 2028 seventh round pick and somehow that deal gets done. That kind and of stuff like happens it. for him. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know, as far as some other moves, like they're always good at finding the guy that like nobody really kind of was talking about or really flew under the radar. And then all of a sudden they're a star for the Patriots. So, I mean, even that's that's Tom Brady's story. So right. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they've already done their homework and, and they they have some – Somebody they can get on the super cheap that they think could end up being a real good player. So so we'll see what happens there. But but once again, similar to O.J. Howard, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if he ends up there. So I picked this up from the Dynasty Tools podcast. Um, they're Patriots fans, and they noticed, obviously, you're going to follow your team a little more closely. They're the team that players play good for them, but nobody else. And the reason why is they have guys that are good at one thing in particular, and they only ask them to do that thing. Then when they go somewhere else and they're asked to do a multitude of other things, they can't do it. So um, that's just an interesting uh, perspective on it that I never really thought about as I am not a New England Patriots fan. But I actually do have one more piece of news about them. They did trade defensive end Michael Bennett to the Cowboys for a seventh-round pick. That could become a six-round pick in 2021. I know he was suspended earlier for conduct detrimental to the team, which is the nice way of saying you're being a dick. Um, <laughs> well, right, that's like the... Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. I mean, the Eagles did it with T.O. Yep. So, you know, you're being a jerk. Go away. I don't know exactly what he did. Oh, I think he wasn't happy with his role there. Something like that. But, you know, you're a 30-some-year-old defensive end. Like, you should be happy you have a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. With those stupid tiny shoulder pads. But um, <laughs> all right, I think we talked about the Patriots enough. Yeah, I'm good. So okay, um, Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara are both back at practice, and I believe that they're going to be both game time decisions. So um, we got a couple game time decisions this week. Tell me how you feel about these guys. We'll, we'll start with Drew Brees. Would you play him against the Cardinals? If he's active, I'll play him. Okay. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks aren't usually on a snap count, so he's either playing the whole game or he's not. If, they, well, if they're saying he's active, then I'm playing him. Right. Uh, Kamara, would you play him? Uh, oh, I've been wrestling with this for a while. I, I think Kamara, you kind of have to. if unless they, unless they say that he is on some sort of pitch count, I would start him. Yes. 
Now, if, I, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm not playing either of those guys this week. I don't know um, why you would. Teddy Bridgewater's been playing good. Latavius Murray just shredded the Bears. Chev, I'm sorry, but it happened. Um, the Eagles got shredded last week, too. Let's be real. Uh, they have a bye week next week. You rest those two this week. You rest the bye. You come out swinging after the bye week. That's just me. A um, couple other game time decisions. DJ Johnson, Chase Edmonds owners, I'm sure loving that. So oh, man, I have this exact conundrum in my in my home fantasy league, and uh, really got burnt last week by that. Fortunately, somehow still so pulled out I. a win, but um, yeah, that was brutal. I if if DJ is active, I am finding any excuse to start anyone else. I and am that, not trusting it. That Saints defense is tough. They are. So I, I would really like them to just come out and say Chase Edmonds is the guy because I do think he's startable if they come out and say that he's the guy. Hard part is if they say DJ's active, it's hard to start Chase Edmonds either. Because you could get burned the other way too. You, you could get burned the other way, exactly. You think you're going to be smart starting Chase Edmonds and you look like a dick exactly. because you start the wrong guy. Um, Keenan Allen did not practice yesterday. I didn't see today. Um but their head coach did say that if he does play, he's going to be limited. They're playing Chicago, who has a very, very stout pass defense. Yeah, I'm uh, not starting him this week. Yeah, me either. Unless I know that, you know, they say, hey, miraculous recovery. I believe he had a hamstring issue. Um, and Devontae Adams is a game-time decision as well, which this one really screws you. It's the Sunday night game. Um, so I guess see what's available on the waivers. Like any guys playing Monday night – Right. Uh, Sunday night as well. Or if you have MVS as well for some reason. Or, he's or if like Geronimo that. Allison's out there, possibly. So uh, a couple game-time decisions. I hate game-time decisions. They're terrible. Yeah, especially um, in later games. I always try to treat them like they're out and try yep. to find a contingency plan and That's have the best them way in to the do lineup. Yep. Right, and then if you know they're full go, put them in there. Um, Sterling Shepard, strong possibility he is out. So it looks like Darius Slayton's going to be trending up hey, for one more week. That's your boy right there. I picked him up thanks to you. And Sammy Watkins is active for Sunday night. Still not starting him. Uh, I'm not either. I, I don't trust him. And you and you don't have – well, I think they did officially rule him out now. So you're not going to have Mahomes thrown to him. So uh, Did did they rule out Sammy Watkins officially? No, no, no. Or, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I kind of figured that they would. Yeah. So. Um, okay, and the Broncos traded wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers with a fifth-round pick for a 2023rd and a 2024th. Um, love the move. Interestingly enough, I was just shedding weight on my uh, productive struggle roster, and I moved Dante Pettis literally two hours before yeah, Emmanuel go. Sanders got traded there. Usually trades work out the other way. Like, I'm the guy that gets right, screwed. Right, you waited too long. Yeah, so this time it actually worked out for me. What do you what do you think about Emmanuel Sanders in San Francisco? I like it. That wide receiving core, Pettis is under underwhelmed. Uh, Debo Samuel hasn't been what we thought he was going to be. There's Marquise Goodwin, who's so-so, and obviously Kittle is the man. But I think this is going to be a great addition for this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, a guy like him that's a, a really savvy route runner can come in and, and on almost any team, especially with his experience, his knowledge, he could he could join almost any team and quickly um, acclimate himself and, and become a productive target in that offense. And it's an offense that sorely needs another talented wide receiver, specifically for this season. You know, um, Debo's been banged up a bunch. Uh, Hurd still hasn't come off uh, injured reserve. So yeah, they're they're a team that that desperately needs another wide receiver, and I think I think he's going to do just fine. Garrett, is your air conditioner on in your bedroom? Oh, did it just turn? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm normally I'm in my bedroom uh, for, for the podcast when I do it, but I'm actually downstairs today, and, of course, this turned on. Well, how hot is it there? It's not, it's not the AC. It's the heat, but oh. where, where, where my table is, it's actually real cool. Here, sorry, fans. I know this is uh, <laughs> terrible podcasting. Hold on. Let me turn this down. No, no. I was, just, I was just curious. I, I was like, does he have his air conditioning on? <laughs> I thought that was uh, – Something interesting. Great. Now he muted. I shouldn't have said anything. I apologize to all our listeners out there. And our new listener, too, Anthony2020 on Sleeper. 
Thank you very much for Paris Campbell. I do appreciate that. And welcome to being a listener of the Dynasty Rewind. So um, I'm the guy that you made the trade with. I'm the host of this podcast. And we're really glad that you are here. So moving on, uh, just a little bit more news before we get to the productive struggle. Dwayne Haskins took over for the injured Case Keenum last night against the Vikings. He was 3 of 5 for 33 yards and a pick. On the season, he is 12 of 22 for 140 yards with no touchdowns and four interceptions. So I think by now everybody figured that Dwayne Haskins would be the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. And I almost have to wonder if we are concerned about former Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Are you concerned, Garrett, at all? Well, I'm concerned that I can't get this freaking air to turn off. (laughs) Concerned about that. It's okay. I was just breaking your stones before. Well, now I'm frustrated. Uh, (laughs) Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I am a little bit concerned. I just don't think they did him any favors. And granted, I get part of it's been um, not not an option, really. I mean, they, uh, you know, you you don't expect Case Keenum to get, get injured during the game. But was what I'm not sure about, and I need to go back and look, I know Colt McCoy was not active for the game. What I'm not sure about Correct. is was he not active due to injury or was he not active just due to coach's decision and they were going to have Haskins be the backup? Because at, at this point, like, you, I, I get that he's coaching for his job, but one, I'm not sure that he's the best suited to play right now. And two, more than anything, he needs mental reps, not physical reps on the field. You're crushing this kid's confidence with a terrible football team right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't like what they're doing. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Well, as an Eagles fan, I like it. But as a guy, I don't have Haskins anywhere, but I know a lot of people do. And you want to see a little bit more. You, know, you don't have to set the world on fire, but you want to see a little bit right. more out of your guys. So, hey, Garrett, question for you before we move on to the productive struggle. What do you think about uh, Titans tight end John o. Smith? Um. I know he's not going to be a tight end one. Yeah. As a fill-in. I know people you know. are really excited about him, but he got his opportunity freaking air finally. It turned off. There we go. My <laughs> goodness. That is the closest really you will hear me. Garrett to cursing. So uh, that's probably that's about true. It. That's probably true, honestly. <laughs> uh, well, maybe one of these days, like maybe maybe when we hit like episode 100 or something like that, I'll, I'll throw out a, a cuss word for everybody. Anyway. We're almost a quarter of the way there. hey There we go. <laughs> Potty mouth time. All right. Um, no. Now I'm distracted. Oh, Johnny Smith. So he – I get why people are excited about him. Athletically, very gifted. But he got an opportunity to show what he could be last year. And we didn't really see much out of him. Now, different quarterback, slightly different situation. Right. So, you know, there there is a chance that maybe Tannehill is able to get more out of him than, than Mariota did. But I don't know. Granted, I have like almost all of my teams. Here's here's my tight end situation. Almost every team, the guys I drafted were Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, uh, in almost every team. So I have one of those two guys. I do have Ian Thomas and Dallas Goddard in a lot of teams too, uh, but I have one of at least two of those four. I think on on basically every team. So I haven't really been looking too much for a tight end except for like one league where for some reason I didn't get like any of those guys. Um, so he, Smith would be a good fill in to just, Hey, let's see what happens. Maybe we, we catch lightning in a bottle here and he ends up being, uh, one of those guys that just pure athleticism and opportunity now puts him on the map. So we'll see. I, I get why people are excited. I'm just a little less, less enthused than some other people. Some other people are. I don't want to come out and say like, I'm super, super excited about it, but he was available cheap, if not free, in a lot of places. So um, a guy that could be a flex play if need be, a bye week fill-in, an injury fill-in, maybe something productive. So sure. um, I think he'll be better with Tannehill at the helm. So that's it for the news, I believe. Let me just check. Yep, that's it for the news. So let's talk about the productive struggle. Garrett, nobody likes to lose. No. Right? I don't. I know you don't. I don't. I'm sh- I'm sure you have some leagues that you're doing well in. You know, I noticed this. I have some leagues I'm doing pretty well in. Then I have like a lot of leagues where I'm right in the middle of the pack. And then I have a couple leagues that I'm really bad in. Do you have the the same thing going on? So 
it's been an interesting season for me. Uh, we've established on this show that I have an issue and I have way too many leagues that I'm in. Um, I have two teams that before the season, I actually acquired these teams. They, they were orphans uh, that I took over. So I went right into productive struggle mode right away with those teams because I didn't really like a lot of the pieces that were on those teams. Other than that, all of my teams are somewhere between – I think I have one team at two and five, and then like the rest of them are between three and four and like five and two. So I have a lot that are kind of like middle of the pack range um, or, or or like toward the upper end, but not like six and one or seven and oh where I'm in first place. Like I feel like I have a lot of very good teams. But not a lot of great teams, but also not a lot of terrible teams. So it's it's kind of weird. Like you would think I would have a little more diversity than I actually do. Yeah. So I I'm basically in the same boat as you. I'm in way too many leagues, and I do have to trim that down for next year, um, as per my better half. But so a lot of people will just straight up tank, and tanking is putting in players that you know aren't going to get you anything, and your opponent knows what you're doing. Starting guys on a bye week, starting injured players, just making clear-cut collusion trades to try to help somebody out to load up on this or that or whatever. But there is something called the productive struggle. And Garrett, I think you could probably define what the productive struggle is a little bit better than me. Yeah, it's it's a it's a term coined by uh, I believe Ryan McDowell was the one that really kind of coined this term. I believe and, he did, uh, and really got the the notoriety of of this concept. The way he initially established it was he sometimes would even on the onset of of leagues. So even at the draft, he would draft tons and tons and tons of young players and trade during the draft for a bunch of picks. So knowing right away that his team was not going to be good for that first initial season, but he set himself up for the next two to however many years because he had acquired so many young players, so many assets that he was going to do really well in the future. So the concept of the productive struggle is basically I'm going to sacrifice this current season so that way in the next two years, three years, my team is going to be incredible. But in that process, you're still active in the league. Right. It's you're not still, all out tanking. You're right. you're still starting a valid starting lineup every week. Um, you're still starting players that could or should, um, you know, be be successful players for you on a given week. They might not be, you know, oh, I'm starting Alvin Kamara. It might be, yeah, I've I've traded away a lot of my good players, so you know, the best I can do is, you know, I'm starting Alexander Madison this week. Uh, and 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 but you're still putting forth good effort to attempt to win. Your lineup is just not deep enough to win on a regular basis. Right. Like you might have a starting lineup on a given week of say your running backs are like Latavius Murray and Royce Freeman would be a right. good example. Right. Another team's cast off and a young guy in a committee, but who has upside. So speaking of which, there's been a lot of talk about Marlon Mack and uh Dynasty Rich was on the show previously. And I told him that my plan was to trade Marlon Mack after the season. He thought that was a good idea. And if he says it's a good idea, it probably is. But that being said, I'm out of it. I'm two and five. I'm in ninth place out of 10. So I actually moved Marlon Mack, Mm -hmm. and some people might think it's stupid, for Royce Freeman and a second round pick. Keeping in mind, I drafted Marlon Mack of the second round in a free agent slash rookie draft because I needed a running back. So. I think I did okay on that return. Yeah, it's not like, whoa, you blew that out of the water. But, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense for a team that's, you know, not doing well, part of the productive struggle. Correct. So Royce Freeman is also a guy that I think if you're doing this, could be a guy that you could potentially acquire relatively affordably. I feel like the Broncos are a team that people don't pay a whole lot of attention to outside of a player like Cortland Sutton. You're even not him, gonna, I think he's flown under the radar a little bit this year. But he's getting to the point where you're not going to be able to acquire him cheaply at all. Right. 
You, you know, and the thing is, the sad thing about a player like Cortland Sutton, in this league that I'm doing the productive struggle, I'm like, I'd love to have uh, Cortland Sutton on my team, and I hate to do too many players from one team. Do you ever run into this, Garrett? Tell me if you ever run into this. You go on Sleeper, you go on an MFL. You type in a player's name because you don't know who has them, and you want to see who you're going to be dealing with to try to make the trade. Click on their name, and you see who has them, and you just close your phone because you know that no matter what you try, a deal is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, do, I've, do re- I've done that. Well, I've right. even I've even gone to look up who has a player and then only to see that I have them. Um, that tells you you have too many leagues. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but but I have done that where I'm like, dang it, this there's no way this dude's gonna trade him. Yeah, uh, it it's a shame too because um, so this guy also has Gardner Minshew that has Sutton, and I wanted Gardner Minshew just because I love the guy. So I was like, look, dude. You picked him up off waivers for free because we don't have a fab budget, which we probably should. Anyway, I was like, I'll throw you a fourth-round pick for him. He's like, well, he's probably worth a first-round pick. And I'm like, you know what? You could just go away. Was, <laughs> like, was it a super flex league? It is not. What? It's a one-quarterback leap. I just wanted him to Even just Even in super him. flex, he wasn't worth a first, but at least that was like. Because he's a guy that in a couple weeks might not have a job. Right. To be realistic. Right. So, oh, absolutely. I, I think there's a pretty decent job. Nick Foles takes that job back. I completely agree. So, um, like we were saying before, one of the rules of the productive struggle, always set a full lineup. No injured or bi-week players. Um, here's another thing that I, I've been trying to do. Trade for players plus. For example, Marlon Mack for Royce Freeman and a pick. So, Yes, you're going to take a player who is "quote unquote" the better player or a veteran player. So you want to play, you want to trade for young player with upside plus a draft pick. Do you think that's a good way to go about it, Garrett? Yeah, absolutely. I, I especially in this class, you're you're going to want a lot of seconds because those are going to end up being much more valuable than a normal mm-hmm. season. Okay, how about this one? Get the dead weight off your roster. What What would you consider dead weight? You have never started this player. He has no upside for you. Um, I'll give you an example. I just unloaded Dante Pettis right before they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. I have you know, no issue with that. Now, I lost I lost on him. It was for a fourth-round pick, but I wasn't going to play him. He wasn't doing anything for me. I'll take the pick, and it is an IDP league, which is where you can get Some a lot of your IDP players. players. Exactly. So, so here's one thing that I see – and it cracks me up when I see teams do this that are are in this mode where they're playing for next year and they trade and in return for a couple different things, blah, blah, blah. It was part of the package. They got Larry Fitzgerald. Why in the world would you acquire a player like Larry Fitzgerald, even if it was a throw-in as part of the package? Why would you acquire a player like Larry Fitzgerald? Nothing against the guy, super talented receiver, Agreed. If you're playing for two years from now, he's probably not in the league two years from now. There's right. no reason to acquire. And, and that's a mistake that I see people make, that it's a name that they recognize. Um, you know, it, I did deal for picks, but, you know, I just needed another play in return. And so I took him. No, take a player, even if you're risking that that player is probably going to be worse than Larry Fitzgerald, at least you have the opportunity of that guy still being on your roster when you're relevant. I completely agree, and that brings me to my next point. Youth. Yep. This is one time you want to be young. You probably don't want guys on your roster that are over 26, 27-ish. Yeah, you should not have a running back on your team or a wide receiver on your team or probably even a tight end on your team that's over the age of 28 years old. You just shouldn't. Like There there really is not a good reason to have one of those players. I'm not saying you cut them, but trade them. Trade them for a solid player. Trade If you have Julio Jones on your roster, I understand he's a very talented player. Trade Julio Jones for, you know, if you can get two first, trade Julio Jones for two first. Because Julio Jones most likely is not going to be able to help you by the time you're relevant. And even if he is able to, you're getting maybe one good season out of him, and his value has completely dropped since the time that you should have traded him a couple years before. Right. And here's another thing, too. Try to focus on an area where maybe your other league mates don't. So they have to play catch up to you there. And that might be in the IDP category. You know, a lot of times, and this is funny, my home league is an IDP league. 
I've tried to trade people defensive players, and they say, I don't value defensive players. You are in an IDP league. You have to value defense. You just have to. That's like saying, I don't value quarterback. You have to be smart about it. So um, focus on young players there again, young defensive ends, linebackers, and safeties. Um, And I think the last one and the most important one, load up on picks. You can never have enough draft picks. And the best part about that is, too, you know, you could really take a sinking ship, and if you play it smart and you play it cool, you have to be the cooler head. You can really swing it around in the course of a year. Think about it, Garrett. Most of, most of your drafts are online, right? Yep. Do you have any leagues that you do an in-person draft? Yes. Okay. And that's always the most fun one, right? For sure. Of course. You're in the draft room. Don't make your pick right away. Let people sweat it out. They get antsy. They want to move up. You can move back a couple spots. You could load up. You could get a good player. And just like that, you're drafting good young talent or getting proven players, and you could turn your team around from a pretender to a contender in the course of a season. So just play the cool hand. Try not to make too many deals trading your picks away right now. Try to acquire those picks and play a cool on draft day. You agree with that, Garrett? Yep, absolutely. Uh, good good draft assets are crucial in a team that's rebuilding, that's that's doing the productive struggle. That's crucial. Uh, one, one other thing that I see as a big mistake for a lot of people when they're uh, looking at rebuilding their team is they go automatically to the complete fire sale mode. Mm-hmm. This is a really big mistake. I get that Chris Godwin is worth a lot right now. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to trade him. He is a young asset that will still be involved heavily and, in fact, will probably be hitting his prime at the time that you are going to be a relevant football team. There's no reason to trade Chris Godwin. He should be nearly untouchable unless somebody is willing to drastically overpay. And you will see this at times because people will feel like, oh, man, this team's selling – and they already sold a couple assets, and I wasn't able to get in on any of those guys, but I would love to get in on Chris Godwin. I'm, I'll, I'll overpay to get this guy. If that's the case, cool. That's awesome. Feel free to sell. But otherwise, those young, talented players, there's no reason to sell those guys. So just because you're rebuilding does not mean you need to trade all of your players for picks. So I was almost contemplating selling Alvin Kamara. Okay. On my productive struggle team. But actually, the guy that I was going to sell him to talked me out of it. That's interesting. He's like, well, he's like, look, I, as much as I want him, he's still young enough that, you know, I understand what you're trying to do. You know, he could be an asset to you for a number of years yet. And you, you're taking draft picks for it. Those guys could turn out to be complete bums. You know what you have with Kamara. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you're right. So, um, also, part of the reason I sold Marlon Mack, um, he's been just really up and down all year, whereas Royce Freeman's been way more consistent. It's been nothing great, but the ebbs and flows of his game hasn't been as high and low as Marlon Mack has. So, um, you know, Bob Long would love to hear that. That's exactly what I thought of as soon as you started talking about that. <laughs> Isn't he awesome? I can't wait he's for that expo be. next year. The Dynasty Rewind's going to be there, everybody. So um, hopefully we could break Garrett away from the nerds for long enough to uh, come and hang out with us for a little bit. I'm going to have so. to be that guy with like two T-shirts on and I like put the one on and then take the other one off. We could do the half shirt thing. There you go. So, so yeah. two of them together. Yeah. So if there's any seamstresses out there, uh, please give me a call. Well, don't call me because I won't answer because I screen all my calls because I don't like talking <laughs> on the phone. Um but you could don't text me. Just send me an email that I probably will ignore. Anyway, um, so some players to acquire if you are looking to do the productive struggle. We talked about Royce Freeman. Um, I think it's a possibility that they can move on from Philip Lindsay at some point, and he hasn't been exactly setting the world on fire. Royce Freeman's looked pretty decent, and he's been getting some work in the passing game too. So I'm a Royce Freeman fan. Thoughts on him, Garrett? Uh, I'm not really an either guy. Uh, okay. I know a lot of people end up being a Royce guy or a Lindsay guy. I'm kind of a meh guy. Uh, I, I, I think they're both fine players. I think they both have parts of their games that are uh, above average. That said, neither one of these guys were drafted by this current regime. 
Um, or sorry, I shouldn't say, you know, John Elway's there. So neither one were drafted and part of the uh, current head coach's regime. So it, it's hard to say that either one of them will necessarily be the long-term answer. And we, we've talked about it a bunch on this show. If you've spent any time on Twitter, uh, you know this is the case. There's a lot of good running backs to be had in this class. So for me, honestly, right now, and this is just my personal take, I don't think there's anything wrong with Royce Freeman. I am not seeking to acquire any running backs at this point unless they are one of those elite guys that I think have great job security because I could see a scenario where there are eight new running starting running backs next year in the NFL. I'm not saying that will happen, but it would not shock me in the least if there's, you know, seven or eight new starting running backs and and there's always a surprise team or two that kind of come out of nowhere and you're like, "Oh, why did they draft him?" You know, it was kind of like when the Cincinnati Bengals took uh, Joe Mixon. You're like, why would they do that? They have Jeremy Hill and they have um, they have uh, Giovanni Bernard. Why would they take yeah. him? Well, Joe Mixon ended up being their guy. Uh, you know, why would the Browns worry about taking Nick Chubb in the second round? They just signed Carlos Hyde. He's a talented player. Well, not too long after, Nick Chubb took that job. So unless it's – honestly, there's probably seven, eight, nine running backs that I would feel okay about acquiring in a rebuild team – and other than that, I'm actually just kind of fading it. I would much rather invest in some receivers and, and some of these young tight ends. Okay. Well, then should I not bring up Carrion Johnson as a possible buy? Carrion Johnson's an interesting case. I have no problem buying Carrion Johnson because I do think he is an incredibly talented player, and I do think he will still have a role to some extent on this offense. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit falls in love with one of these running backs and takes one in the second or third round, and all of a sudden we have a timeshare on our hands. Karrion Johnson's a good player, but on the field he still has yet to live up to expectations, and he's been hurt twice. I, it's risky. It's risky. And in, in productive struggle, you, you only have so many bullets. You want to be as smart with them as you can. I, I don't dislike Karrion Johnson. But I, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't overpay to get him. Okay. How about a guy named Darius Slayton? Yeah, I love my boy Slay. So we know. We, we, we know that I'm all about that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good player that isn't gonna cost you a lot to acquire him, but has really good upside with a young quarterback that we, we assume is gonna be there for quite a while. Um, the receivers ahead of him are are nothing spectacular per se. Um, you know, Golden Tate's an older player, so who knows how long he's going to be there. Sterling Shepard's had a hard time staying on the field with all of these concussions. The upside is there. Will it ever be fully realized? For most players, it won't. Um, but for a third-round pick in 2020, you you can do much worse. Yeah, and uh, love me some Darius Slayton too. So, plus he's also getting the time in now. Right. With Danny Dimes, which I'm still not really sold on that nickname. Yeah, yet. it's not the best. It's not the worst. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But, you know. Okay. Moving on. Um, what about Preston Williams? I'm absolutely buying Preston Williams. Um, we know that the quarterback of the future is not on this team right now. That team, I mean, he's producing decent numbers. On a worst-case scenario, I mean, this team is really bad. There's no line, not good quarterback play. If he can just even get his quarterback play and the offensive line play to average, he could be a legit wide receiver one at some point. And I know that sounds crazy for a guy that was undrafted. It wasn't. He wasn't undrafted because of his talent. It was because of some of the off-the-field stuff and then him transferring and only having one year where he really showed anything. But it wasn't on raw talent that he didn't because he was a five-star player coming out of high school. So the talent is absolutely there. We've seen it. I I would absolutely be buying Preston Williams. At this point, it would probably take you a 2022nd. And unless it's really like – 201, 202, I'm just fine doing it. Okay. Uh, love some Preston Williams, too. I think he could also be had relatively affordably because a lot of people really aren't playing, paying a ton of attention to the Dolphins. Sure. Sorry. Um, okay. What about 
Here's an interesting one. Being as there's some rumors about Cam possibly being traded to the Bears, which I think is a weird scenario. What about Will Greer or Kyle Allen? So Will Greer was supposed to be the heir apparent. Right. According to everybody else, all us quote-unquote experts. But now Kyle Allen is coming in, and I mean, you can't discredit what he's doing. Yeah, I would absolutely be willing to buy uh, both those guys. Kyle, Kyle Allen would be the one I would want more. Um, but I have no problem if it's a deep, deep bench and you want to take Greer as well just for a little insurance purpose. Uh, I, I think there there's a, a decent chance that Cam is not the starting quarterback there that next year. And Kyle Allen would be be the most obvious choice at this point to replace him. So I'm I'm totally fine buying him, especially in a super flex league. One QB, you might be searching a little too much uh, to, to really be worrying about that. But in a super flex, absolutely. Do you think Cam gets his job back this I'm not, year? I'm not sure that he does. I'm not how sure how he could does. he? <sighs> I, I think Kyle, Kyle Allen would really have to mess up, and Cam would have to look extremely healthy and ready to go. I mean, the offense has been just clicking yep. perfectly. So that that's going to be an interesting scenario to see how that shakes out. Um, okay, how about this one? Darius Geis. Oh, you're pulling on he my had, heartstrings. Well, and here's the reason why I say that. He hasn't done anything for you the last two years. So you could play that when you're trying to acquire him. It's, it depends on, on the price. He's one of the most polarizing players uh, in fantasy football. You, you either love or hate the guy. Um, and I'm one of the people that love him. I do think he's incredibly talented. But so far, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. I'm willing to buy if the price is cheap enough. But once again, I'm not even getting anywhere near 2021st to try to acquire Darius Geis because at this point, it's much riskier than just I'll take whatever good running back is available in this class. Right. And I feel like the Redskins could be a team that draft a, a running back next Absolutely, season as well. they could. Absolutely. Although Adrian Peterson apparently is defying time. Yeah, so. he's, he's incredible. It's, it's amazing what that guy can still do. I know. I think he, and he had a high ankle sprain. He wasn't even supposed to really play on a short week. <clears throat> and yet, here he was, shredding up the Vikings defense. Um, uh oh. How about. <laughs> yeah, right over there? Yeah, the, the baby woke up and she's causing havoc. <laughs> <coughs> now I'm choking. What about Damian Harris? Uh. Eh. I'm not. I'm not too interested in Harris, to be honest. I didn't love his tape. Uh, even even when you're the guy in New England, are you ever really the guy? And right now, he's not even the guy there. So I'd probably stay away. Right, he's the third guy. Yeah, At fourth, really, if you think about it. Yeah, behind with Burkhead Rex Burkhead. And White. Yeah. <clears throat> so what about this? Any player on a contending team's taxi or IR with upside? Yeah. You know, a guy that they've kind of forgotten about. Oh, hi, Cora. You're enjoying the podcast. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, a guy that they might have forgotten about because they're too busy contending and they have kind of a stacked roster otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look look for those upside players, specifically the guys that are going to end up being, you know, long-term assets for you. So, you know, that tends to be specifically the wide receiver position, but also – you know, the tight end position, too, is is an area that, that you can sometimes find some diamonds in the rough. Uh, you know, Hooper was one of those guys this year that, you know, people – not a lot of people even had him inside the top ten. If they did, it was at ten probably or nine. Um, you know, he, he was one of those guys. Um, Dallas Goddard is another guy that is, is a good one to look at with, you know, we're not quite sure what's going to happen with Zach Ertz's contract situation even at the end of this year. Um, and he's shown that he's already cutting into Ertz's work, so he's another one that that could be interesting. At this point, you know, uh, Mark Andrews was a good one in the offseason. It's probably too late to, to try to acquire him now, but those guys can be had in the offseason. You just kind of have to think ahead a little bit, look at some of the trends, look at some of the guys that are in good situations, offensive coordinators that like to feature the tight end that is part of the equation, uh, decent quarterback play. Um, so, 
those types of players can be had. So I have no problem looking at, at some tight ends as well to try to acquire on the low. Well, those are all the players that I have. Um, do you have anybody that you're thinking about? Um, another good one that's still – I mentioned him earlier. Ian Thomas is a guy that I still really like. Showed a lot at the end of last year. But Greg Olson somehow has stayed healthy. So, uh, you know, he hasn't uh, really gotten a chance to show much. But he's a guy that can be, be had for really, really, really cheap right now um, that I would have no problem trying to get a few shares of. Um J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is another wide receiver that I absolutely love. Really? Yeah, I know. Shocker to everyone. <laughs> um, it, it's been it's been rough for him so far. He hasn't gotten a ton of playing time. And with the playing time he's had, he hasn't really done much with it at this point. But we weren't counting on the 2019 season anyway. We were already looking at 2020 with him. Uh, so he's another good one. Hakeem Butler, uh, he was a darling in the offseason. People have kind of forgotten about him now. The upside is absurd with this guy. The floor is also very low, so it's a very uh, high-risk, high-reward. But fortunately, you're not going to have to pay a whole lot to get a King Butler. It's another good right. one to kind of stash on the end of your bench. Jalen Hurd uh, from San Francisco, they were loving his usage in the preseason, got injured. We haven't really been able to see that materialize, but he's, he could be used in, in all a bunch of ways. He was a former running back. But he's a bigger guy. He's almost the size of a tight end, but he plays wide receiver. So they can really kind of utilize him all over the field. Uh, so that's another guy that I think Kyle Shanahan will get involved when he gets healthy. So those are some names that that I think are worth just throwing offers out there, seeing what the price is. Sometimes it's good to get those guys as like the throw-in of like, hey, we're making a bigger deal. But, you know, toss Jalen Hurd in there and you got yourself a deal kind of guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, go for those add-ons. Like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, yeah, but throw me this guy. You know, uh, just uh, if you're doing IDP, look over his roster for like a, a a linebacker that's got a good schedule coming up with a team that runs a lot, you know, or always a linebacker on a bad defense. They're going to be out there a lot. Hey, question for you before we move on. You said Hakeem Butler. What about Andy Isabella? Uh, I wasn't a huge Isabella guy, but he would fall into the same boat. I mean, he's very inexpensive right now. They utilize pretty good draft capital on him, so obviously they have to like him a little bit. I, I have no problem buying. He's not he's not my favorite target, but it makes perfect sense as to why someone would go after him. Yeah, he got a lot of off-season hype, but what has he done? He Do you know what he's done on the season, Garrett? Uh, I don't think anything really he might have a catch or two he has three carries for 16 yards and two catches for eight yards yeah i knew it wasn't much this is a second round draft pick yep isn't that crazy it's and he has only started one game it looks like and in that game he had two catches that's when he had the catches so he's been doing some return work if Chev was here, he'd know. He lives in Arizona. Or maybe yeah, he sure wouldn't. He I don't would. know. So before we move on, anything else on the productive struggle? Nope. That's it for me. All right. Well, be good, everybody. And um, I do have a little trivia fact here, a little rewind. Okay. So since Garrett is the man and he loves the Browns, how many different quarterbacks started for the Browns oh, under geez. Romeo Cornell? Just under Romeo? Yeah. Ooh. See, I got to try to separate Cornell from the Butch Davis area or era because um, that was right around Jake Garcia or Jeff Garcia and uh, Jake DeLome. I'm going to go under Cornell. We had, I'm going to say we had six. <laughs> Nailed it. Hey, do, you know do you know who they are? Oh, man. See, that's that's the hardest part is I right. know Cornell was there. I think he was there for three seasons. Um. The, the the hardest part is they all start to run together. I'm guessing Delome is one of them, or was that before him? I think that was before him. Okay. So was Derek uh, Anderson one of them? Derek Anderson. Okay. Is one. So Charlie Fry would have been one of them as well. That's two. Um, Charlie Fry. Think Notre Dame. Oh, Brady Quinn. There's three. 
Um, so that would have been 08, 06, 07, 08, in that range. Um, I don't know. Give me the rest. Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Trent. Ken Dorsey and Bruce Gradkowski. Oh, I forgot about Brucey. Everybody did. <laughs> Not Oakland. Oakland didn't forget. No. And I remember when he started for the Buccaneers at one point. I think they played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And I think they were like he was supposed to be the backup and the Cowboys were playing their backup. And I remember saying to my dad, This is the worst football game I've ever watched in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, it's it's primetime Thanksgiving and you got two backup quarterbacks yeah, playing. That sucks. It's, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. But um, that's the rewind for the week and a uh, little Browns quarterback trivia. There we go. So, but now we don't have to worry about any other quarterback trivia for the Browns for quite some time. But question for you, though. Would you start Baker Mayfield this week against the Patriots? If I can avoid it, I am. And and that hurts to say. But, but Listen, I completely understand. There's a league I'm in, my home league. I am not starting Carson Wentz this, this week against uh, the Bills. I'm starting Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you one bit. I don't so, blame you. With how good that defense has been and how suspect the Browns offense has been. I mean, they'll have games where they look awesome and they have games where they look absolutely terrible and right. uh everything that can bounce the wrong ways has so far for Baker. So, uh until that luck turns around a little bit, I'm it's just really tough to start him. And that's the the thing about fantasy. Sometimes you have to put your fandom aside and do what's best for your team. Yep. And it's tough because sometimes you want to be that guy that goes down with the ship. But I, I think I own him in six leagues, and I think I'm only playing him in one, and that is a super flex league. So we are playing him in the Dynasty Rewind. Oh, okay, so I have him uh, in two. I have yeah. him in two that I'm playing him in. Our, our starting quarterbacks in that league are this week going to be Baker and Garoppolo. See, I... I have checked on that team a few times, but it's weird because like I can't actually do anything. Like I can't move players in and out, or I can't really. really yeah, it, it's like a view only thing for me. So, but then I see. Then okay, that's sleeper. why I couldn't make any draft picks. Yeah, sleeper, get on that because if if him and Chev are co-owners, I like I'm saying it like somebody from Sleepers actually right. listening. They to this. are. Yeah, they are. Probably but, not. They should make it so that if you're a co-owner, which you are a co-manager, however they say it, you and Chev should be able to move people around. Right. So I don't have to do it. So I could say, hey, this week, uh, Chev, you do it, or Garrett, you do it, or whatever. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, nope, so, it's just a view only for me. So, okay. Well, if you ever have any input, you could just let me know. Um, so, Garrett, do you have a verse for us this week? I do have a verse. It's actually a couple verses. Uh, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 8. It says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Basically what's going on here is, is Paul's writing this letter uh, to a church. That's what the, the book of Romans, it's, it's this letter that Paul wrote to this church that's in Rome. And he's saying, look, you know, you guys talk about how, you know, you'd be willing to die for someone. Well, here's the thing. For most people, you maybe would consider dying for a good person, somebody you're close with, maybe a family friend or, you know, a, a super close relative, maybe mother, son, father, that kind of thing. But that's only a maybe. I think there's a lot of people that, that say that, but a lot of times it's, it's empty words. So you might be willing to die for a good person, but for someone that doesn't care about you, that doesn't like you, that isn't for you, there's no way you would. But Christ demonstrated his love for us, that he was willing to die for us even when we weren't about him, even when we, even when we didn't care about him, even when we didn't even know, know that he was there. He was still willing to give himself for us. And, and, I, and that's something I struggle with at times. Do, do I really love people like that where regardless if, it's, if they're able to benefit me, whether that would be financially, whether that would be in my career, whether that would be um, in a family life, whether it be socially, whether it be, you know, whatever that is, would I still give myself that much to somebody that really cannot benefit me in any way? Or is my love just conditional where it's only based on reciprocation 
And so uh, that, that's something that kind of hit home for me because uh, I think it's, it's natural for us to only want to reciprocate what's being shown to us. But when, you know, it's somebody that, that doesn't help us anyway, and even a step further, that's actually against us. You know, how do we have love for people like that? Well, Christ demonstrated what that, that love really looks like. You know, I think we could all use some of that because um, especially in the fantasy community, people know us for one thing. And that's what we do here, what we do on right. Twitter. But we're so much more than that. You know, we're husbands, we're sons, we're fathers, we're employees, we're brothers, we're friends. So it's hard for us to be everything all at once. Sure. Be it somebody only thinks of, of you for that one thing. And, right. You know, then you think about people don't reciprocate. People say nasty things to me on Twitter. I put a thought out there. They say stu- something stupid. So I just always respond with, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to rate <laughs> and review, which, by the way, if you haven't rated and reviewed the Dynasty Rewind yet, get on that on Please iTunes because apparently that's all that matters. But that being said, <clears throat> as much as I love you, Garrett, and I love all, all our listeners, there's only two people that I would say that I would gladly die for, and they are upstairs in my house right now. Yep. Uh, one's my little girl and one's the, girl, the woman that birthed her, and that's it. And, you know, Garrett, I'm sure you feel the same way about your family as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that, Garrett. Again, thank you for everything. You're a great man. He is America's sweetheart for a reason, everybody. (laughs) So um, anything else before we head out this week? Nope. I think that's it for me. Okay, that's going to be it for me as well. So, Garrett, where can we find you on Twitter? I'm at Dynasty Price. And I'm at the Bauer 85 and you could follow the show at Dynasty Rewind. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week.